Hi, and welcome to the Money Quest Live podcast. I'm your host, Simon Dean. The Money Quest Live podcast talks to our network of franchisees and business partners to hear about their stories and to discover how they are building their business to thrive. Welcome. Today we welcome Damien Harrison from MoneyQuest McGill in South Australia. Tim Donoghue, in his alter ego, known as Captain Compliance, serves up a hard-hitting interview with no questions barred. We learn about Damien's journey from bookkeeper to caravans to trainer with Westpac to mortgage broker, who also does some washing on the side. Damien is the ultimate professional, building a loyal customer base, providing solutions for difficult loans and delivering great customer service. Please welcome Damien and Tim as they explore Damien's journey. We're going cross borders today. Uh, in fact, we're, we're taking our first trip to South Australia. We haven't had a guest from SA at the table before, so I thought it was a great opportunity to, to do that. So I'd like to welcome as my next guest at the table from Adelaide, Damien Harrison. Damo, are you there? G'day, Captain. How are you? I'm well, thank you, mate. Nice to see you and uh, welcome aboard. Uh, and I say that in a, in a sense of, uh, I suspect this is, isn't your first time to actually be a guest at the captain's table because you and your wife are very avid cruise fans, I believe. Absolutely. We did used to be prior to COVID. In fact, we did our last cruise in March last year and we actually were very nervous given the fact that there was COVID around and um, the boat was nearly empty or the ship was nearly empty, which was pretty interesting, actually. <laughs> in fact, we got... we off-boarded the ship on, I think it was a Friday, and then the next cruise left that Friday afternoon, and on Saturday they cancelled all cruises, it turned around and came back home. Oh, so your yeah, timing it. was good. What is, I'm always intrigued, because I've done a couple of cruises um, and quite enjoyed them, but uh, I know folks maybe like yourself who, prior to COVID anyway, were, were almost annual cruise uh, uh, venture venture takers. So, what 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 is it about a cruise and, and shipboard life that attracts you to it? Uh, we just like the fact that you can pack once and unpack once, and then you can do multiple stops throughout the cruise. Um, and we also like that we could travel with friends and and things like that as well. But you could you're not in each other's pocket. You've got a, a big ship that you can explore on your own, and then you it's just quite convenient. We found. And the best bit is there's generally no phone or internet access on the ship as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. We all need a break from the regular routine just to clear the head and, and refresh our battery. So I, I travelled over to Adelaide uh, in June to, to meet all you guys and run the workshop over there. And I thoroughly enjoyed that trip and meeting all of you face-to-face, which was great. And you gave me some interesting insights as a group about the Adelaide and the South Australian market, which I found quite interesting because it's it's a little different, I think it's fair to say, to, but certainly from the New South Wales Victorian market. So maybe for those of, of you, that uh, our colleagues that aren't in South Australia, what's what's your take on operating as a broker in Adelaide in particular and the, and the peculiar aspects that that might entail? Uh, I guess one of the main things in Adelaide is that our property cycle and property growth is is slow and steady. We don't really have the boom and bust cycles like you guys do over in the eastern states. Um, so it's more of a slow 2 to 4% per year, although this year it's probably smashed it out of the park a little bit. Um, 
But the other challenge that we have over here is that our loan sizes, uh, our average loan sizes are sort of 250 to 280. So to settle your $2 million or, or more per month, you really, really have to work really hard and settle you know, 10 to 12 loans per month, which means that you, you're working really hard for it, basically. Adelaide itself, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a large city, but in many ways, it's still a relatively close community. So I expect the importance of reputation and providing positive client experiences is pretty important because uh, word can get around if people are dissatisfied. That's very, very true. Um, Adelaide, it's, it's almost a six degrees of separation city. So basically every person that you know, they're only six people away from knowing somebody else that you know. Um, I, there's quite a few clients that I've picked up throughout the years as referrals, which we actually went to school together. Um, and we didn't even know it. We've just come through other referrals. So it's you've really got to make sure that you are good to your clients and good to everybody because as we all know, bad news travels fast, but so does good news. But um, everybody knows, pretty much everybody knows everybody. A bit like Dubbo in the country. Indeed, look, reputation is everything. Now, you, you came into broking with some level of background in banking and finance, but you didn't actually start your career path in that area. No, no I uh, started, my, well, started my finance career path in Westpac. Uh, well, actually, before that, I started doing a little bit of bookkeeping, um, but I, most of my finance was, was learnt in Westpac, where I was a workplace trainer there. I uh, was teaching people how to do product switching, portability, um, and a few other credit-related things. Um, and then after that, I moved on to Aussie and then came to MoneyQuest, which I haven't looked back on, basically. But even prior to Westpac, I think you uh, you, you started out or had exposure quite successfully too, uh, I, I believe, uh, in something completely divorced from banking and finance. Yeah, I was in the travel industry, kind of. Um, basically, we, <laughs> we ran a caravan. We ran a caravan dealership for oh, 13 or 15 years or something like that. Um, I was customer service manager there, um, and we we did a, we did really really well there. Uh, we bought that little dealership when we took it over from selling 50 vans a year, uh, which was obviously not enough to make money on. Um, we were ended up selling you know, 300 odd vans a year out of that little dealership so um, and that's when we just when I decided that it was time to move on and do something else basically so why uh, why why the finance industry uh, moving out of caravans and such like uh, what was the what was the attraction coming into banking uh, well when I left the caravan industry I went and worked for my wife for a little while doing a bit of bookkeeping and things like that which interested me a bit but um that didn't really work out you know working too close to my wife and things like that so it was basically well, was that her decision job. or yours <laughs> i think it was a mutual decision <laughs> but um it was basically it was just go and get a job and i fell into westpac through a temp agency just to fill in the gap and i really really enjoyed it and then when i was working at westpac i engaged a broker to help us buy our house and he cocked it up really badly and I thought, well, if this guy can do it, I can do it. And that's when I made the switch, basically. Although Westpac did pay for all of my education to become a broker, which was nice of them. They didn't well, know that at the time. You had that, that background. I guess you understood the fundamentals. Uh, now, some mm. people perhaps won't know much about the Westpac uh, Mortgage Processing Centre in Adelaide, but I've been there. I've spent a couple of days out there some years ago. 
which I expect you also are very familiar with it with your time there. For those that aren't aware, it's it's quite an amazing place given its size and the operations that are carried out there. Can you give uh, our, our colleagues a little insight into how that all works in, in Lockleys? So in Lockleys, the Mortgage Processing Centre, which was called the MPC, which is Missing Paper Centre, uh, which did go a fair bit of paper missing. It's absolutely huge. Um, it's basically the equivalent of, a, I think it was a 10-storey building, except it's all on one floor. Um, it's not got street street names in it where all the aisles are uh, street names based around the city of Adelaide. Um, and basically, when we were when we were working there, you could walk out of there at lunchtime, do a lap around the building and just make it back in time for the end of lunch break. And it's it's huge. There's sections that it's it's got the big vault in there, which has uh, all of the mortgage documents and all of the other finance documents in there. Uh, it's, it's all stored there. Um, great big fireproof vault, which I got trapped in one day, which was interesting. Um, and it's it blows your mind how huge the place is, really. And that presents various challenges, I guess. And you can we talk about lender processing delays and, and errors, and you just made a, a joke about missing paper centre and such like that, but you, you can also appreciate the complexities that go with trying to manage uh, the, the, the processing and the, the establishment and, the, and just dealing with the sheer volumes of businesses coming through because you've been, you've been a part of that. So it's, it's a difficult thing to get right, which I think is probably what I'm, what I'm trying to say here. Could you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the, the amount of time that they used to put into scheduling and they had teams of people which basically just scheduled work for you. Um, I don't know what it's like today, but basically when you'd finished a job that you were allocated, pretty much instantly the next job popped onto your, your workflow. So you never had time just to sit there and twiddle your thumbs. There was always just next job, next job, next job. So that was, it was always it was pretty interesting, but I think there was always somebody scheduling everything all the time. It would have been a big challenge. I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Yeah, not an easy thing. So you've made the made the decision to get into broking. Uh, how did you end up at MoneyQuest? Uh, so I was at Aussie. I was at Aussie for about two and a half years or so. I um, was never really happy at Aussie. They kind of favoured their favourites, basically. And if you weren't in their favourites team, then... You got all the shit leads. I was getting, you know, sixty thousand dollar leads out of, you know, out of Siberia and Kubernetes and things like that. So it was really hard to make a living. Um, then I bumped into a bloke called Chris, who was the business development manager for MoneyQuest. Um, I think he was just on a bit of a recruitment drive, and he recruited actually three of us out of the Aussie office, and we all resigned on the same day. So Aussie didn't like MoneyQuest too much, but um, that was back in the day when. Uh, MoneyQuest was run out of uh, out of Perth by a lady called Jill, and Ross Begley was in the background. Um, and we had a deal with this bloke called Julian, who ran rates online, and we used to buy his leads off of him. He's a bit of a sus character, I believe, but anyway, we need to say That's more about exactly that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what? it's just, it, I think the thing that attracted me to MoneyQuest was it was such a new, new thing, and it was... I always could tell that there was getting on the ground floor at, at a new age, we could just ride with the growth. Um, and then it was going quite well. And then Michael Russell obviously took it to 
where we see it today. Um, so it's I've definitely not been disappointed moving over Money Quest. Oh, that's a, that's a good news story. Uh, I've asked this question of the, the many of the previous guests we've had at the table. What's what have been the challenges that you've need to needed to to overcome to set up a successful business? And on the other side of that, what what are the rewards that you uh, you derive from being a broker? I guess the major challenge is motivating yourself to actually realise that you're it. Um, you know, if, if you don't work, if you don't go and get the leads, get the you know get the loan settled, then you obviously don't put food on the table. So that's a big shift from coming away from PAYG at, at the bank. Um, but and it does take a good. I would say to anybody new in the industry, it does take twelve months to actually you know get yourself up to a reasonable income where you can actually rely on yourself month in, month out, pay for your bills. Um, but once you get going, you know, the rewards are, are endless. You know, you can have a good income. You've got a, a lot of flexibility in your time. Um, you know, you, you can do, do whatever you want, really. It's, it's a really, really flexible flexible job. And helping people out, um, getting their finances sorted is always a good thing. So. Yeah, very satisfying when you've, you've helped someone get into their property or build a, a new place or refinance to a better result. Uh, I expect that's that's eternally uh, rewarding for you when you get that satisfied response back from your clients. Absolutely, yeah. I, one of my favourite ones that I, I do remember, it was only a very, very small loan. It was a, a dad, a single dad that had come to me. He, he was had to refinance his home to get his ex-wife off of the title because it was she was going through a divorce. Um, he had 100% capacity... Uh, uh, geez, look at the word. <laughs> Basically, he looked after his daughter 100% of the time and he hurt his back at work and he was on work cover. So he was in a world of pain, not only from his back, but finance-wise. Um, and he had 30 days to get his ex-wife off of the title or else he had to sell his house and his daughter's house, which he didn't want to do. Um, I ended up getting him financed through Bluestone. It was pretty expensive, but he was so stoked. He actually he was gave me a hug, and his daughter was over the moon. She actually gave me a hug and said, "Thank you for keeping my house." Um, that was really really good. And then about three or four months ago, he came back to me and he said, "Okay, Damien, I've got full time job now. I'm working. Everything's all going sweet. Can you get me out of Bluestone?" So I got him out of Bluestone into a regular home loan at about 2.19%, I think we got him in the end, um, and he was stoked. So I, not only did I get to keep him his house, um, did pay for it a little bit in the first instance, but then we saved, saved him 50% on his repayments. So pretty happy, pretty happy bloke. And he refers me quite a fair bit of business too. So. And there's, the, there's the, the, the standard story. You, you give people a good result. And they will share that news with their family, their colleagues, whoever, and and you get the benefits of that when when those folks come and see you. I think we always get caught up so much in in the facts and figures, uh, loan amounts, interest rates, LVRs, and all of that. But the reality is behind all of that is a story, a human story, and people uh, aspiring to do whatever they're looking for. And and what you just said was a great example of that, and the solutions that you guys can provide and change people's lives. It's it's really powerful stuff. Absolutely. The uh, the side of your other circumstances, if I ever had any questions about money laundering, I'd actually come to you because uh, you and your wife actually own a laundry, don't you? 
we do own a commercial laundry, yes. Um, it's actually a pretty big commercial laundry, actually, for this for Adelaide. Um, so we've got 14 washing machines in there uh, and 14 dryers in there. So uh, it does it. We pop out there most mornings at about 6, 6.30 in the morning to give the place a bit of a spruce up and change out the cash. And, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. How did that come around that you you got involved in that business? Uh, we're after something different from an investment property, basically. So we've got, obviously, as most mortgage brokers do, investment properties and things like that. And at the time... We didn't really want to buy another investment property. We were just looking to diversify just a little bit. Um, then the opportunity came up and I knew a, a bloke that had owned one for quite a number of years and we knew that they were fairly good investments, um, provided you're willing to put the work in and can actually um, do a bit of maintenance and things like that yourself. So um, we sort of jumped in and uh, haven't really looked back on that. That was a, it was a pretty interesting purchase when we told all our friends that what we'd done, we've gone, what did you do that for? But, um, yeah, they're actually good little money earners. If you can get one at the right price, I'd recommend anybody have a look at it, basically. Oh, well done. Well, uh, I hope you continue to clean up in the laundry business. Well done. Absolutely. Oh, I was uh, I was impressed when I was visiting with you uh, back in June. I spent the day at your office where we ran the, the workshop. Uh, now, you share your, your premises with a number of other financial services and related providers, and to me, that seemed to be working very well, given that you've got all that other expertise, uh, as they have with you, available immediately if, if that should arise. And that, to me, that, that seems to be a very sensible and, and very uh, potentially valuable uh, kind of arrangement. Uh, is that the motivation for you to move into those premises? It was actually. Um, so when I moved into the premises, I moved in with a real estate agent who was, I just took a desk off of him and he came here and then he moved out because he had a fallout with all of the other tenants in here, I guess. Um, but I, stay, I stayed on. Um, so we've got in here, we've got two different accounting firms. Both of those accounting firms specialise in two totally separate types of clientele, I guess. Um, one of them is more your mums and dads, PAYGs and things like that. And the other one is he does a lot of self-employed kind of kind of work. So I get a fair bit of business from both of those. Um, we've got a financial planner here who he sends me a bit of business as well. And I send my clients back to him for, for planning and superannuation advice and things like that. Um, got a family lawyer who specialises in estate planning and also she does quite a few divorces, which I do a few finance works for them. We've got a, 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 a builder. And we've also got an aged care specialist. So he, what he does, he uh, finds people aged care homes to put their parents in when they when the time has come. Um, and I do a, not that many, but I do do a few reverse mortgages for those for people to pay for the RADs because obviously RADs are four or five hundred thousand bucks, and nobody has that kind of coin sitting around basically. So that yeah, to me that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Just having having all that synergy yeah. together, and and you can all support each other as the need arises. Very sensible. And final yeah, question. We're all very similar. We're all similar business minded too. So we've all got yes. very similar ideals about the way that we like our customers to be treated and things like that. And we just we just clicks like a bit of a family, I guess. So. Oh, that's great. It was quite evident just from being in the office. You could see that, uh, that very close relationship you had with everybody else. Final question for you, Damo. Uh, what about the future? 
both short term and longer term? What are your aspirations for your business and uh, and where it might ultimately leave you? Yeah, I'm right at that point now where I probably need to employ somebody part-time to do some of my admin kind of things. I did have somebody earlier in the year, but that didn't really work out very well. Um, he just We just didn't gel together very well at all. Um, so I'm struggling a little bit at the moment just to keep things underway, but I just need to find somebody to do it for me. I don't really want to send it all overseas, so I just need somebody casually to help out. Once I get that, then I should free up enough time to write another three or four loans a month, which should be really, really good. Um, and we'll just keep going. Oh, well, good luck to you. Uh, it's great that you've been able to capitalise on the skills uh, that you've developed elsewhere prior to coming into our industry and, and build a successful business uh, on those, on the, the experience you've had and, and taking advantage of the opportunities that exist in Adelaide. So, so well done to you. Continue success and uh, thank you for being today's guest at the captain's table. Thanks, Captain. Thank Hey, Damo, Damien, um, yes, I'm interested yes. from a sales perspective, you're talking, and if you can cast your mind back to when you were doing the caravans, how did a business go from 50 caravans to over 300 caravans in a year? What was the, the key changes that were made? Uh, it, it, it didn't take one year to hit 300 vans, um, oh. but <laughs> that, that would be amazing. But over the period of, you know, when we first started, we were, they were doing, we were doing 50 vans a year. And then that slowly increased as similarly to a mortgage broking business, you know, word of mouth gets out, you know, that these guys look after their clients, their good quality vans and all of that kind of thing. And it just sort of kept on going and going and going. And it was self-perpetuating basically. Um, Great customer yeah. service. Pretty much. Absolutely. That was how we, we dealt it. And, it obviously worked. And Adelaide being small, we were the only dealer for this particular brand in Adelaide. So if you wanted the brand, you had to come to us. Um, but Adelaide being small, word gets around that, you know, you're either good or you're not. And obviously it worked. Yeah, thanks. And, and just a fun fact on um, the Mortgage Processing Centre, when it was first uh, created, I suppose, it, it was owned by the Westpac Group, but they called it, the actual entity was called the Mortgage Company. And the mortgage company um, ran the mortgage processing centre and also had a distribution arm. And that was Westpac's first foray into mortgage broking where they acquired the broking channel or the broking business of Bank of Melbourne uh, and the Challenger Bank over in Perth. And, um, and that's how the Westpac broker channel first formed, but it was originally known as the mortgage company. And I remember the go. first month, the first month that they switched all the loan processing from the branch network to the mortgage processing centre. And the premise was on um, that most loans were vanilla loans, straightforward loans that didn't need a lot of time and effort put into them. And as, we, as they quickly found out, um, it was a complete disaster. Unfortunately. <laughs> not much has no. changed in the mortgage. No, you're not wrong. The same software. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, it was uh, interesting times. But thanks, thanks, Tim, and thanks, Damien. Really appreciate it.